Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Domino's, we're more than pizza, so mix it up with our specialty chicken, stuffed cheesy bread, sandwiches, pastas, medium two-topping pizzas, and more for just $5.99 each, and we'll mix stand-up comedy with a robot. Stuffed cheesy bread and my act have a lot in common. They're both super cheesy. You can also mix it up with Domino's salads, marbled cookie brownie, bread twists, and medium two-topping pizzas. Order any two or more for just $5.99 each. Two-item minimum. Bone-in wings, handmade pan pizza, and bread bowl pasta will be extra. You must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on just to give you a little bit of a... an update next week i'll be on vacation so there will be no podcast next week but my plan is that i will get i'll have one up the day after christmas i will come in here and maybe do it a day a couple days before that but we will get that done so the day after christmas wednesday there'll be one up and that will be the kind of the preview of michigan uh and and the game that florida will be playing of course on the 29th robbie and i actually head up on the 26th so um you know, so you'll have that podcast, and then we'll start cranking out copy. Although we're going to have some stuff in the Christmas Day paper and some other stuff ahead of time. Obviously, Florida starts practicing at the end of the week this week, and it will be open to the public. Those three practices. Uh, what you're going to see um, are, some, if you do go out there, are a lot of workouts with younger guys trying to get them ready for next year. And this is what we talked about last week. I, I kind of sounded that out. I wasn't sure if I if it was a full column or just a segment in the back nine, and I decided to settle on a segment in the back nine. Um, but it was interesting because during the little thing we had with the Chick-fil-A people last week, um, the press conference they had, uh, Dan Mullen mentioned that not only was not practicing an issue for teams that don't make a bowl game, but that they couldn't use – players to help recruit because you have to take two weeks off uh, i later found out that you can get a waiver and they're always granted it's not it's not a, a, an issue at all um but certainly and again uh, you know florida's not planning on not being in a bowl ever again i mean nobody saw coming the four and eight and the four and seven seasons but you would think that those were aberrations and and certainly not the norm uh but but my only point, and, and this is a point I made last week, is look, if you're four and eight, you should be getting to practice. And and I think what Dan said to me was made sense. He said they should give them like five in the spring, five extra practices in the spring, or maybe even five early in camp. Now, anything that makes players practice more is never going to be approved by the NCAA because they're trying to – and that's why this two-week thing after the season. Like when your season ends, you get two weeks off. You can't. They can't get you to do anything because they want to give uh, student-athletes more time. And I get all that, but um, it just seems like college football has it a little backwards. Anyway, that was last week's topic. Uh, let's move along to the Heisman Trophy being awarded. And, uh, yeah, I pretty much told you what mine was last week. I didn't tell you specifically, so I wouldn't get 
in uh, Heisman jail, but I voted for Kyler Murray. And here's the thing: that, and Alabama fans have lost their minds. You know, it's like you don't have enough Alabama fans. I want to say, shut the heck up, because you guys have everything you could want. You have the greatest coach of all time. You have the best players. You have the national championships piling up. You have everything you could possibly want, and because you didn't win one little Heisman Trophy, you're you're mad. Now, you're upset for two. I get it. And I'll tell you, man, I had a hard time with this. In fact, when I left my house on Sunday, I was still leaning, or I'm sorry, when I left my dad's house, because my dad said, you still got to vote for Tua. And I said, well, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted here. And here's what it came down to in the end for me. All right, everybody, the, the, the people who use, and look, there was no, if you voted for Tua, fine. I don't blame you. He had an unbelievable year. He had a historic year. And what he did was amazing. I just chose to vote for Kyler Murray. And here's why. The biggest reason. Kyler Murray had to be good all the time. He could not be he couldn't be have an off day. Uh two didn't have many. Had a couple of off halves, off quarters. Certainly the first half against the Citadel wasn't great. Um and I'm I didn't penalize him because he got hurt. I might have penalized him a little bit because Jalen Hurts came in and rallied him and it was like, hey, anybody can win. There was kind of that feeling of you don't have to be spectacular to with this talent around you to win. And that was a little bit of a, the factor. But the people who say, um, you know, if Tua had played the fourth quarter of every game, it projected out to this. Well, first of all, you don't know that. That's uh, the projections are are just for, for guys sitting around with nothing to do. But the second thing, the biggest bigger part to me is what's easier? Not playing in the fourth quarter of all these games? Eating cheeseburgers on the sidelines? To use a Charlie Weiss reference? Or having to win the game in the fourth quarter so many times? Having to be on in the fourth quarter when the when it's the toughest that it can be? That, to me, was in, in, a, in a race, in my mind, it was like one guy was 100 and the other was 99. That's how close it was in my mind. Now, what what's interesting is I think a lot of people took the same uh, – now, there's too many voters. We all know that. I've talked about it a million times. I think there were there was 30-something that didn't even vote. Uh, 40 people left two off their ballots. I mean, you can't – I can't take you seriously if you did that. Uh, 27 left Kyler Murray off their ballots. And, and how many of those, I wonder, were in the southeast – how many of those were people that were Alabama quote unquote fans? I don't know. Um, but anyway, that's the way I went. I voted Haskins third. I, I even had conflictions with that. I want there was part of me I wanted to put McKenzie Milton third. I think what he did was amazing, and it wasn't because of his injury that I didn't. It's because Haskins did Heisman worthy things that he would have won the Heisman Trophy in a lot of years. In fact, almost every year. But if you want to talk about getting robbed Tua didn't get robbed he got beat out by a historic football player who did amazing things Rex Grossman got robbed 
Peyton Manning probably got robbed, although I have to admit I did not vote for him. I voted for Woodson ahead of him, and I regret, I've regret i regretted that vote ever since. Um, but obviously enough people did to get him. Rex Grossman still is a gr- the worst robbery of all time, in my opinion. So he didn't get robbed. All right, we'll take a quick break. It's going to be a shorter than usual. No guests today. Uh, I, c- I can tell you the reason why it's going to be a little bit short today. Um, I don't want to gross you out, but I'm having a colonoscopy tomorrow. So I've started with the, the what do you call it, magnesium citrate or whatever it is. I just took it, and I don't want to go too long here because we all know what happens when you take that. So it's going to be a little bit shorter and a little bit, and no guests today, just trying to get through this. But I know you guys really look forward to it, so I want to give you at least 30 minutes, okay? We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rate and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No! No! Have you ever thought about owning your own place in Gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends? Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted Podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. 352-226-8474. Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game. To see the Florida Gators. That was the loudest the stadium ever was. That was a South Carolina game that Jarvis Moss blocked the kick to end the game. I had walked over at the Gator Walk, and he came walking through, and I had touched his hand, and then he blocked it with that hand, so I was totally good luck. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit Gatorsports.com and click tickets. All right, back on the, on the podcast. Uh, you know, one other thing that I saw somebody, I think it was Mike Griffith. Mike Griffith works for, I don't even know who he works for. He covers um, Georgia now. He's covered Tennessee, Michigan State. I know Mike really well. Um, I think he I think he works for SEC. No, I don't even know who he was. SEC Nation, something. Whoever he works for, apparently he was on his show and he said that the SEC was getting robbed in postseason awards. And uh, Matt Smith, who I think a lot of also, pointed this out. And this is a great point. The SEC's won the Maxwell, the Buckus, the Blitnikoff, the Thorpe, the Outland, the Guy, Ray Guy, the Nagurski, the Bednarik, and, of course, Coach of the Year, my, my friend Mike Loxley, who won the Broyles. I think they've done okay. I would, I would calm down on that. Um, another thing I saw on Twitter this week – was a um, I guess uh, FloridaGators.com did a poll. I guess it was a reader's poll where you pick the play of the year for Florida, and they're down to the two finalists. And it was Brad Stewart's pick six against LSU, and Tony's pass to 
um, Moral Stevens against Mississippi State. And, I, and my first reaction was, wow, they, they nailed that. Those are the two best. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. That pass from Tony to Stevens was huge. And it was it was a – to me, LSU's the signature win, but Mississippi State's the win that made this season become what it became at 9-3, and three, okay? I, they lose at Mississippi State. They ain't, they're not going 8-4 and four even. I think they're losing at least one more than they ended up losing. Um, that was a huge game for Florida. There's no question. But the pass from Tony to Moral Stevens wasn't even the biggest play of the game. The biggest play of the game was the last play when uh, Donovan Steiner blitzes and sacks Nick Fitzgerald. And not only that, but his tight ends were running wide open down the field would have scored a touchdown if he'd seen him. That, to me, was the biggest play. Um, so I would put that in there. And the other, the only other one I would argue should be in there was Michael P. Ryan's run against FSU. Because to me, th- you know, don't forget Florida, you know, they went down there, they couldn't score, they got stuffed on fourth down, they kicked the field goal. And then that play happened, 74 yards, was it, or 76, whatever it was. And you went, oh, Florida's going to be all right. That was the first time I went, oh, Florida's winning this game. Because, I mean, look, I was like a lot of people. You'd seen FSU win five in a row. Yeah, they were struggling. But you got to go in there and win. Tough environment. That was, to me, one of my favorite plays. I, I don't know if um, I don't know if it's one. I don't know if it's two. I think it's in the top two. Uh, the Brad Stewart play was huge, though. Uh, there's no question about it. That, that probably was number one because LSU was the signature win for Florida this year. That was the win where you went, up. Oh, Gators are for real. And considering the season LSU had, when the only losses they had were that one to Florida, they lost to Alabama, no shame in that, and then 40 overtimes against A&M, and they beat the crap out of Georgia. So when you consider all that, that was the game where you went, Florida's for real, and as the season went on, that that's what kept them up in the top 10 and got them to a New Year's Six Bowl. So, I was thinking this about this last night. Who would I pick for my players of the year on this Florida team? And the funny thing is, like, defensive player of the year is, to me, no question. Ja'Kai Polite had an unbelievable year. I voted for him first-team All-American. He made second team, which means he'll get a paver out in front of the stadium, and congratulations to him. Um, He had the kind of year I think a lot of people thought he could have and hoped he would have, and congratulations I don't think there's any question he was a defensive player of the year. Uh, special teams player of the year and freshman of the year to me would both be Evan McPherson. Uh, Tommy Townsend had a really good year, but McPherson was just money. And I thought he was tremendous. But then I said, okay, who's the offensive player of the year? And it was a – I don't know. I don't have an answer there. Who would you say? Felipe Franks? Yeah. You know, he is he better this year? Yeah. Did he do some really good things? Yeah. Was he really bad? Did he get booed? Yeah. All right, so would you make it one of the linemen? Look, I I don't know if Martez Ivy was as good as they graded him, but he did grade out pretty well late in the season. But early in the season, he still wasn't very good. You, you could make an argument there for Martez Ivy and Jawan Taylor both. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. The bookend tackles are the players of the – offensive players of the year is it one of the running backs well they they almost got 2,000 yards between among the the three of them 
but they, you know, nobody had a spectacular season. Well, I, I like the way how hard P. Ryan run. I thought Jordan Scarlett, the second half of the season, was tremendous. Um, but they weren't player of the year. I, Van Jefferson's a name that came to mind. But when you look at his numbers, they're not. So I think the offensive player of the year is Florida's offense in the end. I think that because as a, as a team, as a whole, and certainly the, with the coaching they got, that's what made Florida's offense better. Not great. Nowhere near where they need to be. Not even close, but much better than they've been. When you look at just from a pure statistical uh, data, it, it, it's amazing how much better they were. And in the last three games, over 500 yards. So I give them a lot of credit. Um, I did see this also that uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, not thrilled that he didn't make all SEC or all American didn't get any real honors. I understand his feelings. I will tell you, I did vote for him. Second team All-SEC, not first team. I mean, look at the safeties that you have in this league, and that's why, uh, you know, it's it's hard to crack that first team. But, but I had him on the second team. And I'll tell you why I had him on the second team, because I watched him every game. And I watched and saw all the things he did and how well he played – but not everybody's going to do that. And unfortunately, we talked last week about it's, it's voting season. Um, and, and unfortunately, when you get to voting season, it's not – everybody can't be as uh, anal as I am. And where I'm anal is in watching so many games. And obviously, I feel like I know Florida's personnel better than I know Alabama's or Tennessee's or Auburn's or Washington State's. I see every play of every game. And if you do, if anybody sat there and watched every play of this season, they would probably have put Chauncey Gardner on one of those teams. But unfortunately, what happens, and I know because I fell into this a little bit when I was voting on the All-American, when I was trying to find like second teamers and stuff like that, and you, you, you go, let's just look at the stats. Let's see who did great on stats. Now, I would never – be a stat voter on first team and I never would be a stat voter on like the Heisman there's no way I would do that or the Bolitnikov you know I, 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 I which I vote on but but when you get into like all SEC and those kind of things guys tend to go hey, let's look at the stats let's see who had the most interceptions that doesn't necessarily mean you were the best player it, you know especially at the at the safety position because the safety you, you get picks on balls where you're just standing there and you're way back behind the coverage and it just comes to you. To me, what made Chauncey Gardner-Johnson a, a, a second-team All-SEC player, two things. One, he became a leader on that team. I don't know that there was a bigger leader than him. And, uh, you know, I think that's tremendous. And two, he became a tackler. Last year, he wasn't a tackler. He was terrible. And he was whiffing on guys and letting them go by. And that was one reason their defense struggled. This year, he got very good at that. I, I So, Chauncey, I voted for you. I'm only one man. That's all I can do. All right. Uh, one more thing on Florida's uh, football is I don't know how many of you are aware of what happens when you go get to go to a bowl game. And this is why when when people talk about how it is a reward, it is a it's a it's a tangible reward uh, not just the, the food and everything but you get 
pretty nice swag and the nicer the bowl the better it is and what they do and i'm pretty sure it's still that way i I meant to call and check on that um was you get stuff from the bowl and then also you the the school is allowed x number i think it's five hundred dollars per player that they're allowed and they they can they don't have to give it to you all of it or some of it or any of it but they can give you up to five hundred dollars in stuff as well and a lot of that is um shirts and stuff like that and and sweatpants and you know there's some really nice stuff they give them but i just i went through the list just kind of curious for the gators here's what they get from the peach bowl chick-fil-a peach bowl uh three hundred dollar visa card i could use that for christmas a fossil watch i mean it's amazing how fossil must be the official ncaa sponsor because almost every one of these gift things fossil watch fossil watch so they must make these watches in bulk and ship them out to all these bowl games because they must supply i mean there's 40 bowls there's 85 players that's a lot of that's a lot of watches now not all of them get fossil watches but a lot of them do they also get a mophie power station xl and they get an amazon echo dot speaker these are all things i'm not that familiar with but they sound really expensive and nice and i guess they give them a football so they can get somebody to sign i don't now what a lot of guys do now i don't know what they're getting from florida but what a lot of guys do and this is why bowls are important for these players is okay i got my my christmas presents for my family you know here junior you get this uh amazon echo dot speaker what a great oh i can't believe how great a brother you are dad here's a fossil watch you know and and it's great i think it's tremendous or or here's a a peach bowl sweatshirt you know stuff like that so um but anyway i I think it's interesting the orange bowl is interesting because of course that's a championship semifinal and they got they get tons they get better stuff a little bit better it's not tremendously better but it's definitely better but one of the things they get is they get a bobblehead of who nick saban no they get a bobblehead of themselves so they've got to make like i don't know if they give it to all the walk-ons and everything do they have 100 100 players walk-ons well if you include walk-ons bobbleheads individual bobbleheads that would be pretty cool that would be pretty cool and the fiesta bowl which is where i was hoping florida would go could nothing against the, the peach but i talked to bianchi today he's going out there and he is staying at the camelback marriott which is literally my favorite hotel in the world i haven't been out of the united states other than cancun and toronto but i'm not a world traveler but it's still my favorite hotel in the world uh they get a ps playstation 4 gift package which you got to think is gonna be great that's one of the things they get anyway i think it's just interesting and and um it, it goes back to to one thing i talk about like i don't believe in paying players and it has nothing to do with the actual paying of the players i've said it a million times nobody's ever showed me a plan that works like do you pay quarterbacks less than or more than long snappers do you pay everybody the same how do you deal with title nine you know uh do you really think giving a kid two thousand dollars a year is going to change any recruiting tactics or anything i i just don't believe in it i don't believe anybody's ever explained to me a way where it works but also there's a part of me that says hey look 
If you're a football player, you are uh, look, what you're doing is amazing. You're going out there, you're busting your butt, you're practicing all these years, you're in the weight room all the time. You're and then you're having to balance it with class and 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 staying eligible. You know, and yeah, you deserve something. You get a lot. You get a lot of meals, you get a lot of clothes, you get tutors. If you get to a bowl game, you get swag. And it's pretty good swag. I just think it's a pretty good life. And that's what I talked about earlier in the year was Florida had to figure out who loved playing football and who loved being a football player. There's a difference. And being a football player is not not a bad deal. You know, I don't even want to get into the whole how many drinks have you ever paid for, you know, downtown in, in Athens or Gainesville or Tuscaloosa or, or how many times have you had a free meal just from walking into a restaurant. That's because those are violations technically, but they happen. You know they do. Anyway, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've even made any sense with this. Um, but I've got some more football things to talk about. I do want to talk a little Gator basketball and three things. I'll give you a little bit about what's going on this week. Let me just take another break right here. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the podcast. And um, uh, one thing I did want to talk about, I, I saw this story today, kickoff returns down 20% because of the new fair catch rule um it, it's it's a good rule and anything and look we're we're headed in both the nfl and in college to the point where there are gonna, not going to be any kickoffs it's funny the Ameri- alliance of american football which um they're starting they're getting ready to start their practices next week they won't have kickoffs in their games um which i i think it's a, the first step you know the USFL did a, 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 so many brilliant things that the NFL now adopts. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a, a league like the Alliance of American Football experiment with some things. And then the NFL, it can look at them and go, hey, you know what? That makes sense. It does work. Let's do it. I think I would bet within five years, you won't see a kickoff again in, e- in either college or pros. Um, the problem you have is, okay – that means we can't surprise anybody with an onside kick. And I think that's the biggest deterrent to completely eliminated it, eliminating it. But at some point, I think that will happen. Uh, but it was down 20% uh, because of the fair catch rule. 41% of all kickoffs were returned. So it's still almost half the kickoffs are returned. But again, this is taking in all the schools, 
you know, a lot of there's a lot of schools that don't have a kicker and get the ball the ends through the end zone or, or certainly deep. But uh, that's interesting. And of course, I mentioned last week we're in hiring season, and we keep seeing things happen that are. Um, you kind of go, oh, well, that's interesting. And certainly with, with Les Miles going to Kansas and uh, Mac Brown to North Carolina, um, the latest thing that they, where you kind of went, oh, Butch Jones will be coaching tight ends at Maryland with Mike Loxley. And um, trying, he's basically taking, to a point, the McElwain route of, of, look, all right, I got fired at a high-profile school I need I need to kind of build it back up. McElwain went to Michigan for a year. Now he's at Central Michigan. And by the way, I've been told that you know he was all, he was at least talked to about Colorado and talked to about the Tennessee offensive coordinator, and that they went to he and his wife went to Central Michigan because they called just to check it out and they fell in love with it. And they so great good for him. Um, hope they're happy there. Um, so Butch Jones. Is at Maryland coaching tight ends, and uh, like I want Mike Loxley to be successful. I don't necessarily want Maryland to be successful. I mean, I think what they did was just terrible. Um, but and way, the way they've handled it, it was terrible. But I, I like Mike a lot, and uh, I hope he's successful. But what I fear is he's doing what a lot of coaches do. And especially coaches who are really good recruiters, is they hire a bunch of really good recruiters, and they get away from hiring good coaches. I'm not saying he has. I'm not saying Bush Jones is not a good position coach. I'm pretty sure he's not a good head coach in the SEC. But just I, I like I thought that was one thing Will Muschamp did here, and I think Willie Taggart did that at, at Tallahassee, um, hiring a lot of recruiters instead of you can be both. But I would say that, and this is just a, off the top of my head, 60% of assistant coaches in at Power 5 schools are really good at one and mediocre at best at the other. Like, they may be really good coaches, but they're not good recruiters. The irony being, of course, Dan Mullen was one of those guys when he was at Florida. He wasn't a great recruiter. Now he now he's we're we're seeing day to day how much better he's gotten at recruiting. Wasn't a great recruiter, was a great coach. But uh, I've gotten off on a wild tangent here without telling you the other news. Uh, Kansas State hiring Chris Kleiman, uh, who was head coach at North Dakota State. Well, I think he lost what six games in five years. I've been wondering why nobody had hired him before. I knew it was risky because of the level of football, but you could. You know, my thing is, like, I think the guy's a really good coach. I watched them play a little bit, but the Kansas State fans are not happy at all. Um, very upset. I think they're wrong. And where are you, what are you going to get at Kansas State? The only other thing is you go hire some hotshot guy who's just trying to get the hell out of there. I mean, I Kansas State should be happy. And then Vanderbilt makes a hire, which is very interesting. Because they hire a new AD, Malcolm Turner, really doesn't have any experience in college. That's a very Vandy thing to do. Um, I, I think it may turn out to be really good, but it's 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 kind of a reach. But isn't Vandy always a reach in, in terms of athletic department, which they allegedly don't have? Um, we'll see how that works out. But, you know, it's a new set of eyes, and really you're all you're doing – 
as an AD, you don't have to coach anybody. You're hiring people. You're you're working on facilities, stuff like that. And nobody needs facilities more than Vandy. It's just an interesting hire. Okay, one more quick break, and then we'll come back with a little quick look at what's going on this weekend, and then three things, and now i got to get the heck out of town. Okay, not out of town, but just out of here. All right, we'll, we'll be back on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Okay, uh, this weekend you do have college football. There are five bowl games on Saturday, and then it kind of starts. You know, there's another, one, then there's one Tuesday, and there's one Wednesday. I think there's two Thursday. So we kind of get into that mode, which is great. Not exciting games this weekend. I'll watch a lot of it. You know, I'll flip it on, just see what's going on. Watch the fourth quarter of a lot of the games if they're close. Uh, probably the best game, Arizona State, Fresno State at 3.30. That, that's interesting to me. Fresno State had such a great year, um, won their conference championship game. Arizona State, Herm Edwards was supposed to be a complete flop there and actually were okay. I think, well, they were 6-6, six and six, right? But the game I'm looking forward to, the game I will be watching, appointment TV for Pat Dooley, is at 4 o'clock on ESPNU. And that is when Ferris... State, I think it's Ferris State, or is it Ferris University? That's how much I know about them. Plays Valdosta State with Kerwin Bell as a head coach for the championship of Division Two, So two or three. Anyway, whatever division they're in. So I will be all over that. I've been wanting to watch them play all year. I was – I toyed with the idea of even going up and seeing them play uh, last weekend. Um but you know, decided not to. But I am, I am. Gonna, that's the game I'm going to be into. That's the game where I, you know, if you're going to order some chicken wings and, and and sit in front of the TV and watch them, that that is the game. I want to see this offense. I want to see how it how it does. I think they're both undefeated. Uh, so good luck to Kerwin. Um, think the world of him. So we're hoping he does well. All right, it is time for three things. It's time for three things. Number one, I don't want to ever see, and again, student athletes, young men, high school kids are allowed to say whatever they want in terms of um, their commitment, decommit, all this stuff. But don't refer to it if you're in the journalism as a decommitment. It's not a decommitment. You're never committed if you could decommit, right? You're not you're not decommitting. You're never were really committed. I'm a committed 100%. Ah, now I'm changing my mind. The thing is, the recruiting thing, and I don't get too wrapped up in it because a lot of it's crazy and silly. The one thing that, that drives me crazy is you can see a kid decommit from a school. Well, that what happened was they decided – your grades aren't going to make it. We've looked at your test scores. We thought you were going to do better than this. You're not. We can't give you a scholarship. We can't get you into school. That happens a lot. Or, hey, we found we got a guy who committed to us at your position who's way better than you, so we're we're not we're pulling that offer. These things happen, and now there are situations where guys go one place or another. I just don't think anybody should ever take commitments seriously until signing day. That's when the commitments are serious, when you put your name. 
or or like when I say he they flipped him. Well, he was going to go there, then he went and visited them and liked it better, so he's going there. I don't know if that's really a flip. It's just kind of part of the process. I don't know. Recruiting bugs me sometimes. Um, but we'll see what happens. Number two on three things. What an NFL Sunday. It was amazing. That was one of the great sit on your recliner. And again, I was not feeling great, so it was good to be able to do that. Um, sit on your recliner all afternoon and watch those games. The Eagles-Cowboys games was, I mean, how many times I went, oh, you got to be kidding me. Uh, now, there were some unbelievably bad calls in that game. Which got to play around that, uh, and and they went both ways. I mean, the, I guess the Ezekiel Elliott being called for lowering his helmet to try to run over a guy. I guess that was correct. I don't know though. The pass interference they call on the Eagles uh, tight end was terrible, and the, and no helmet to helmet there. I, what what a, this weekend told me more than anything. Is it college? Is, is sometimes we complain about college officiating. It's not bet, that much better in the NFL, and it's even harder in the NFL because the players are bigger, faster, stronger, and they got more crazy rules. But just there's a perfect example. I read about this that in Week 13 there was a memo sent out saying you're not calling holding enough. There's too much holding going on. The next game, 94 holding calls. The next set Sunday in the NFL. That's the kind of thing where I go, man, that's that's terrible. That's bad. That's not good. But the games themselves, I loved watching the Saints rally against the Bucks. Um, obviously, there were the the miracle of Miami. I still it was unbelievable. What a great Sunday it was to watch the NFL. And it's amazing to me because college football flies by so fast, and we kind of go, oh man, college football flew by. There's only a couple games left in the NFL season I, I i was stunned to even realize that because i you know i don't play fantasy football so i'm not in any kind of playoffs or anything and i don't uh, i just kind of watch the games and yeah well they got they got time to come back you, you know you can lose six games getting the playoffs we're, we're coming down to it and it's it's going to be fun i think it's going to be really interesting um I, I like the nfl it's like my third favorite sport and finally, uh, number three, I wanted to say props. I did this in the paper today to Mary Wise. I watched their matches in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that team really came a long way considering the injuries they had, considering how many great players they lost from last. Last year was their year to win it all. This year they weren't going to win it all, but it still was great. You go beat FSU. You go beat um, – you win your, against UCF. You get to the Sweet 16 and you win the first game there. And, and then, the, again, they keep running into these unbelievable environments, and they did it again this this week against BYU. The place was packed. People were going nuts. Still, thumbs up, Mary. Great job. She is a great coach. Probably, I don't know, would you call her an underrated coach on this campus? Because this campus is so loaded with great coaches, whether it's Tim Walton or Kevin O'Sullivan. I, I happen to think Mike White is a really good coach. He's struggling right now with his team. I didn't even get to the hoop stuff. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it next week because they don't play any games this week. But, or no, I'm sorry, the following week because I'm off next week. But um, uh, he's struggling to figure these guys out and get these guys to do the things offensively. They're just not playing with any swagger or confidence offensively, and they, they're playing with great demeanor defensively. I, I don't understand it. But anyway, on this campus, we get a lot of great coaches. We're very fortunate. 
and it's fun to talk to them all. All right, that's going to do it. It's time to get the heck out of town and go home and not and be miserable for about uh, 24 hours. Then I get to sleep. All right? Until next time, I'm Pat Dooley. I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back, and I am out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.